0: Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn and today more than ever before companies, brands and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to uplevel your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. During these really trying times, we have asked some of our previous guests whose organizations have taken highly innovative, caring, heartfelt actions during the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of those organizations is New York Life. So we went back to our friend there, Heather Nestle. She's president of the New York Life Foundation. She's also vice president of corporate responsibility and she's invited her colleague, Maria Collins, who's a vice president at New York Life Foundation, and she's also a corporate VP at New York Life overall, to talk with us about how the company is responding, especially in the area of grief, which is the core of their social purpose at New York Life. So, welcome, Heather and Maria.
1: Thank you, Carol.
0: Both of you should just talk about your roles at New York Life, um, as well as leaders of the foundation. And then we're going, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your child bereavement focus, and then we'll get into the, your COVID-19 responses.
1: So this is Heather. So I am the president of the New York Life Foundation, and I also run corporate responsibility At New York Life.
2: Hi, this is Maria Collins. I'm the vice president of the New York Life Foundation. I oversee
0: our bereavement strategy. Talk to us about um, your focus, your social purpose focus, and how thoughtfully um, it has developed over time in terms of a core part of who New York Life is.
1: We have two main focus areas for the New York Life Foundation. The first is in education. Uh, We focus on out-of-school time programs for middle school youth with the hope of getting them to high school on time and on grade level, as they are four times more likely to graduate high school on time when they have that success transitioning to high school. Um, The other area that we're going to focus on today is really unique to New York Life, and that is the area of childhood bereavement, helping children and their families have an adaptive response to grief. And I'm going to turn it over to Maria to talk to you about some of the progress we've made since I last spoke with you, as well as uh, our newest program, uh, The Golden Sweater.
2: So, Carol, just to remind you and your listeners, childhood bereavement is an issue that has been around for a long time. One in 14 children will lose a parent or a sibling by the age of 18. That number doubles by the age of 25. And as Heather stated, New York Life has been doing this for over a decade. And a couple of updates since your last conversation, you talked about our Grief sensitive Schools initiative. The Grief Sense of Schools initiative is an initiative to really provide resources and tools to educators to support grieving students. And we use our workforce to provide small presentations to schools to learn about this issue, the one in 14 and the impact that grief has on a child academically, socially, emotionally, in addition, where they can find support. And over the time, we have had 2,000 schools agree to become grief-sensitive, to strive to be grief-sensitive. And because of COVID, we are transitioning into virtual presentations for grief-sensitive schools because we've received such an increased demand for information and tools to support schools during this time. And they're grieving students.
0: And certainly with COVID-19, losing someone um, close to you or a dear friend or a dear friend's parents is just been it's it's so shocking to all of us. So can you explain first your Brave of Heart Fund and um, how you partnered with Cigna, which is one of the core tenets of Sophisticated social purpose, and also one of the needs now for organizations coming together to really support people.
1: You know, the Brave of Heart Fund, when we got together. don't know, a month or two months ago. It's hard to remember dates during these days. You know, New York Life is in a really strong financial position. We're celebrating our 175th anniversary this year. And we decided this is one of those moments like we've done so many times in our history where we knew we had to step up and provide resources to do what we do best, which is to provide financial security um, to people in their time of need. Additionally, you know, you mentioned Cigna. We, um, are in the midst of acquiring Sigmas group life and disability insurance business. And so we've gotten to know them pretty well. And we really realized how their values as a company aligned with those of New York life. And so when we were looking for a partner to help contribute to the fund, when we asked, they, they quickly said yes and really believed in the mission, which is you know to provide healthcare workers and their families with peace of mind. And we're doing that by offering financial support to the families of healthcare workers who lose their lives to COVID-19 while working to protect the rest of us. Um, Additionally, Cigna is providing free emotional wellness resources to grieving families. Um, And we're also providing a list of bereavement resources uh, because as as we've been talking about, we are very familiar with that space. Um, So really it was a partnership, I think of two companies that have a long story history of being there when people need us and wanting to do the right thing.
0: And, And this is a large fund. Um, this isn't $10 million. This is $100 million. So knowing your purpose, um, how much did that support your ability to quickly pivot and to create this idea? So
1: I should say we want to grow it to $100 million. Both the Cigna Foundation and New York Life Foundation have each contributed $25 million to start. So we have a total of $50 million to start. And then on top of that, the New York Life Foundation is going to match an additional $25 million in individual contributions, which we've already started to take and and, and which have been coming in. We've also been um, reaching out to our fellow corporates and corporate foundations and have found um, folks eager to contribute in in that area as well. So we are hoping to grow to at least $100 million because we know that the need is great. And in terms of, you know, how quickly we were able to uh, put this together, I mean, this is a daunting thing to put together. You know, we are gonna be not just um, verifying eligibility for the fund, but then we're working with E4E, which is a subsidiary of the Foundation for the Carolinas. And they will actually be managing the Brave Apart Fund and making the decisions as to, you know, who is able to get money and how much money those folks will get. So. All of this was done at warp speed, but with the same precision and, you know, conservative nature that we apply to everything. You know, we want it to be done the right way. We are still right now working to complete um, some of the pieces that will allow the application to open in just a few weeks. Um, So we want to do it the right way, but we knew that we had to do it right away because as we've all read in the papers, so many of these incredibly brave healthcare workers and volunteers have lost their lives. And their families are in need.
0: And when do you think you're going to start distributing the funds?
1: So we're aiming to take applications uh, in the next two weeks before the end of May, for sure. And once the applications come in, you know, the the idea is that the money will be out the door relatively quickly. E4E is really the leader in disaster relief funds uh, across the country. They do that for us. They do that for a number of um, organizations. And the way it works is it's really a a two-part grant process. So the first grant is $15,000, and that covers expenses such as funeral costs and other essential costs that, that need um, funding immediately. And the aim of that grant is to get that out the door very quickly. And then the second grant is a longer-term grant, which is up to $60,000. So you could get a total of $75,000 from the fund. And that covers expenses over about a six-month period of time, which would include housing, utilities, clothing, education medical expenses, um, and that is needs-based. So you do have to show that you are, you know, you don't have the resources to fund those and that you need assistance.
0: We have seen um, just these horrible death tolls. And um, there's also been this inability to say goodbye to those who are dying and then also grieving in isolation. Can you share, um, Heather and Maria, how your knowledge and you've got so many trained colleagues um, in terms of grief, how you're bringing that knowledge to help so many people.
1: Yeah, I'll start and then I'll turn it over to Maria. I mean, I think with the Brave of Heart Fund, you know, we brought so many resources to bear, not just the expertise in bereavement support. I mean, we had our actuaries working to determine what the eligible class may be and to be as inclusive as possible. We're not just talking about nurses and doctors here. We're talking about orderlies, cafeteria workers, EMS, anybody who is really going in day in and day out to a place that um, has exposure to patients who have COVID-19. Um, so we use really, you know, our lawyers, our actuaries, everybody came together to work around the clock and weekends to get this fund up and running, um, and now you know New York Life is going to play a role in helping set up the verification system. In which case, we're going to use our expertise with our claims department, especially um, that's a group that we at the foundation have been working with for years to help train our folks who are talking to people who, you know, for most this is the darkest day they've they've faced. Right, they've lost a loved one, and to really do that in a way that is helpful, that is supportive, that is empathetic. And so these are things we've been working on. And, and now is a time when we're really seeing the fruits of that labor come to bear. I mean, just in our business day to day, our folks are obviously talking to people who've experienced death during this time. And so, you know, the work that we've done is applicable every day, but, but all the more applicable today. And I'll turn it over to Maria to talk about, you know, some of the other things that we're working on now, including some of the resources we're providing on our website.
2: How we're addressing COVID-19 and grieving in isolation, we're doing it with our partners. Since we have been an active partner with many bereavement organizations across this nation and the largest investor in bereavement support services, we knew that we needed to activate and rally with our folks to understand what the needs are, how do we get resources out there, and what programs are needed. So the first thing that we did was, what are the resources? We have many resources on NewYorkLifeFoundation.org to discuss coping with loss, grief, supporting your grieving student, supporting your grieving child. However, this grief is a little bit different, and the whole world is grieving in different ways. So we have created special COVID-related information webinars, resources, publicly and internally to support this loss that we're all feeling. Some of the resources are mental health tips for individuals, how to deal with a pandemic, how to support your child during pandemic, how to talk about it, how to talk about lo- loss. There's a new article that will be posted, it's called Grief Interrupted. When you can't grieve collectively, but you need to, because one, grief is at the heart of how we deal with loss. And we're grieving individually, but we want to also grieve collectively. And how do you do that? So we, do, we are providing tips on how to do that. A lot of the programs that we fund, bereavement services, support groups, have gone from in-person to virtual or by phone, depending on where they are in the country. Providing training and support to bereavement specialists, but also any individual that supports children and families during this time. They need resources. Our local bereavement centers are providing that through telehealth, through telecounseling, support, wellness visits. And we're looking at other ways to really support this great need that we're experiencing as a country.
0: You talked about the the difference now, that you are isolated, that you don't have that sharing around you, of people to support you. Can you share with our listeners perhaps the one or two top recommendations that they would find on your website, you know, just in case they're just listening and and they and they do need that support?
2: We have a new series called "Ask the Expert," where we talk to our experts about a different topic every week. The one that I think is most relevant right now is the conversation with Dr. Julie Kaplow. She is the founder of the SAMHSA-funded Trauma and Grief Center in Houston. And she talks about the distress that you may feel as an adult during a pandemic, what to expect and how to address it. And she actually normalizes some of the feelings that you will have such as anxiety, sadness. And I think putting some norms around that you're going to feel this and it's okay calms people. And I think you can move forward saying, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone in this. Although I might be alone at home, I'm not the only one feeling this. Also, she discusses how you can identify that if you're a parent or a caregiver, how you can identify the anxiety in your child and what to do for them. And there are a couple of things that she talks about specifically, and I think it's relevant not only for children, but also for adults. There are six S's that she talks about, which I think are really practical, not only as a professional, but as a parent. One, she talks about safe Safety and security, ensuring that you're doing all that you can to be safe and secure. Washing your hands, staying home, things like that. Using simple language for the child or yourself to understand what's going on. Not overcomplicating it. Not in taking too much media. She also talks about supervision. You know, providing factual information and what information is flowing in and out of your house basically. So if you have on whatever news channel you watch 24 hours a day, that might be too much. There's another expert we use, Dr. David Schoenfeld, who always says, watch it for the information you need. No more than that. So it might be 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. You know, I think another tip for all of us as we're working from home, as we're thinking about this, as we're caring for our children potentially, is structure. You have a structure for your day. Whatever that structure is, that routine really helps us have a sense of normalcy. And then a term that she uses that I think is really important, and I started to hear it, and then we went back to social distancing. She says, that's not really the proper term because we're not socially distancing. We're actually physically distancing we're distancing physically from the people we love, but hopefully we're not socially distancing because her last S is all about social support. Really looking at who your friends and families are, reaching out to them, seeing them maybe through through video and web um, apps. So taking that time to really connect with people, even though you can't physically be in the same room with them. I mean, it's not about social distancing. It's it's about physical distancing. And I think those tips, if you take those, I think you feel better about it saying, although I can't see my, my colleagues, my family, I can still connect with them.
1: Yeah, and I think in some ways, Carol, you know, Um, The positive thing about all this is that people are reaching out more just generally to friends they haven't talked to in a long time, to family members maybe they haven't seen. And so this is also a nice time to reach out to folks who are grieving now or who have been grieving even pre-COVID. Because really, you know, that, that isolation can be tough, but just getting a phone call or a text or hearing from people... Um, can make all the difference. So I think, you know, people may actually have more time now to be doing the things that they should have been doing before.
0: I know that in our original conversation, Heather, we asked you at the end, what were the three insights that you would give to your colleagues um, who are on their purpose journey? Um, And I would love both you and Maria to say, you know, New York Life knows its purpose, but you went a lot deeper. And you did it quicker. So do you have any insights for those listening? They know what their purpose is, but COVID is scaring them. What sort of suggestion do you have to them, whether it's today, it's this is going to be months into the future, years into the future, how they should activate their purpose more powerfully?
1: What I say now will probably mirror what I said last time we spoke, which is, you know, tap into something that you're already doing that's aligned with, you know, who your company is and what you do and be authentic in how you do that. Um, You know, there are ways to provide relief no matter what your company does. You know, again, when we were looking to determine what we might be able to do, we looked at the thing that we do best. We knew that we didn't, we couldn't manufacture masks. We can't create you know, a global entertainment show that everyone will tune into and watch, but we can provide financial relief for families. Um, I think Secondly, you know, use all the resources that you can bring to bear. So I mentioned our claims department, our actuaries, our lawyers. Um, every single person you know at our company has really been able to bring something. And outside of Brave of Heart, you know, we've done a ton of different initiatives just in the last few months. Um, we were supposed to celebrate our 175th anniversary last week. Um, or two weeks ago, I guess, on uh, April 27th, we were calling Company Day and we were gonna have a big celebration at Madison Square Garden. Journey was supposed to play. It was gonna be really exciting. But instead of just wallowing in the fact that that couldn't happen or you couldn't be together on purpose, we turned it into what we called Love Takes Action Day. And we asked all of our agents and employees across the company to just do some small act during the day, whether it's virtual volunteering or calling a neighbor. You know, a few of our folks baked cookies for neighbors or went grocery shopping. And we just asked them to do something small that day um, in recognition of the fact that people need it, but also as a celebration of who we are as a company. I mean, that aligns with who we are just as much as a big celebration would have. And we had exceptional results. I mean, we just had thousands of people engage in these activities. We hosted these Zoom get-togethers where people could write letters to hospital workers or police officers, but just with their colleagues, you know, meeting new people. And um, we were able to donate on behalf of all those folks who took action $1.75 million to five different charities. So I think you can be really creative, but really just tap into the culture of, of you know, who you are, because people want to do things. They want to feel a part of the solution. And um, I think every company is able to do that.
0: Do you feel that as a culture, um, since we're all going through this all around the globe, that grief is going to be something that we, it's never good, but that we will be able to view as more of an, an integrated part of our culture?
1: Perhaps, you know, I mean, I, I hope so. That's, that's always been what I think we've, we've been striving to do with our bereavement work. It's not just to provide direct support to folks, but also just to raise the awareness. I mean, you know, Maria said it death has been happening forever. This is not a new topic. Um, And yet we act as if um, it's taboo. But the reality is that the the more you don't talk about it, the more taboo you make it. And so I think, again, one of the the positives that could come out of this crisis is that people have had to confront this. And um, they actually have been more open to talking about it. And I think the Brave Heart Fund is just one way to provide support but the support really comes from all of us. And it brings us back to The Golden Sweater, which really is about how every single person can take an action and be supportive of not just children, but everybody who is grieving. And small actions do matter.
0: And The Golden Sweater is a book that you've created. Can you just talk a little bit about that?
2: The Golden Sweater is our newest initiative. I think it's beyond a book. It is an initiative where we're providing resources and tools for parents, caregivers, caring adults, to support a grieving child in their life. The book follows a little boy who lost his dad and is having a hard time with the loss. And he finds this golden sweater that provides him a sense of comfort and connection to his father, which he still has, even though his father's dead, and he's able to find strength and resiliency. And I think your question about COVID-19, are we ever going to get good at grief? That is what New York Life has strived to do. We know from our surveys that individuals shy away from conversations about loss. People shy away from supporting individuals, not that they don't Want to support them. It's just that they don't have the words or the tools to support that person. This book, with our discussion guide that we created to accompany the book, provides those tools on how to have a conversation about loss and death, probing questions. We also give information on how to read the book yourself because all of us are dealing with the loss of someone. And this book may. Tr- Trigger in ourselves reactions. So we want to be prepared, once, especially when we're talking to our child, on how to have that conversation. So one of the questions that I leave with in this book is like, what is your golden sweater for the person that you lost? What do you carry with you every day to remember them? And I think that is a conversation that we all will have. What do we remember about that person? What piece of them do we keep in our heart? And I hope that we elevate that conversation around grief and loss. Because death happens every day. And unfortunately, with COVID-19, we are all seeing it front and center.
1: It is available free to download on our website at Foundation.org. And for every download, we will be donating $1 to four different bereavement organizations up to $175,000. So we would really encourage folks to download the book. You can also see the animated 60-second version of it, which is beautiful. Um, And that will also result in in the double benefit of educating folks, but also getting money out to the organizations that need them.
2: The Golden Sweater also will be featured in a documentary that we invested in. We partnered with WPSU, Um, The Penn State PBS station to develop Speaking Grief. Speaking Grief is a documentary that highlights families and individuals who are dealing with grief, their sense of loss, their support system, and how they're moving forward. And you can go to speakinggrief.org to see the listing and air dates. But our purpose is always to ensure that. We invest in something, but we wanna make sure it's accessible to everyone and that it has many layers of support. So with Speaking Grief, the golden sweater will be featured there. In addition, prior to COVID, we were hosting screenings across the US with panel discussions and information about grief to really have that candid conversation. And we were gonna hand out actual books, free books of the Golden Sweater. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we are in transition on how we're going to do those screenings virtually, how we're going to continue to hold those conversations. And when you download the book and the discussion guide, hopefully we can have those conversations as well and get that resource out. So there's many layers to our support and how we are dealing with COVID as well as grief in general as our mission.